You're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about classic albums and decide if they deserve that distinction. And we also talk about some unsung classics in the hopes of bringing them to a new audience. And at the end of it all, we let you decide if we are right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. Listening to the Unsung Podcast, and this is episode 28. On the last episode, we discussed Crazy For You by Best Coast, and the public decided that it should not go into our discography. So thank you very much to everybody who listened. On this episode, we are talking about Blue Album by Baroness. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, you're listening to the Unsung Podcast. I am your host, Mark Fraser, and I'm joined by two men who have just made up after last week's throwdown. Whoa, 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 whoa. We never fell out. We're adults, and we're <laughs> capable of disagreeing over something as shoddy as Best Coast <laughs> and remaining friends. I've still got the fucking scratch marks to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sitting to my You've right. You've got so many scratch marks to choose from, though. I mean, yes, <laughs> actually. <laughs> uh, sitting That's to my... a different story for yeah. another time. Uh, sitting to my right is Chris Cusack, uh, Urban Outfitters' latest clothing designer. <laughs> Reverse psychology, treat him mean, keep him keen. <laughs> <laughs> sitting to my left is David Weaver, who only buys vinyl from Urban Outfitters because it smells of potpourri. Uh, I got my, I actually did get my, uh, this jumper from Urban Outfitters. I don't, I don't doubt it. Is that I, the one the same colour as your t-shirt? Best coast. It's velour. <laughs> That's a lifestyle choice I've made. <laughs> best coast got into his head. It's like subliminal. It's like if you wind the vinyl backwards from best coast, it tells you the prices <laughs> and the new range. Uh, so um, we're not talking about an Urban Outfitters record. No, we're definitely not. Definitely not. We're talking about uh, Blue. Blue records. By by Baroness, <laughs> as opposed to the many other bands. Yeah, a blue record. Which is your choice, my choice, and. It's you. definitely going into discography, so thanks very much for listening, <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Mark's uh, Mark's generally had a fairly tough time in this program uh, with his selections. Not all the time. Do you know what your ratio is? Have you have you dared? I have not. I've, I've not calculated. <laughs> Can you remember any that you got in? Yeah. Violator by Depeche Mode. <laughs> the fucking thing. <laughs> second, second record. Fourth, fourth episode. <laughs> DJ Shadow introducing. I was back in I was back in that hard. That was his, yeah. Well, it was as much weavers that um, I associate that with Dave. 
<laughs> That's kind of it, really. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So high hopes for this one, then, Mark. Eh? Well, this I picked this on the same basis I picked that I've picked records in the past as well. This is <laughs> this is for me my favorite. I think it is the best Barnes record, but I don't think people will think it is, which I'm we're definitely going to get into. That is that is an absolutely valid starting point for this podcast because we you don't want to just pick something that everybody goes nods their head and everyone knows that's great yeah so i'm definitely up for uh hearing why not just why it should go in but why it's uh, in your mind the best baroness record i should i should qualify that by saying i don't think they've ever written a bad record either so for me it's a very tough choice until the start of last week i had never listened to a single note that baroness had played uh, despite hearing their name for ages, this is interesting. I'm yeah, it's weird that you never listen yeah. to them. Uh, I had friends that went to see them multiple times, and every time I just happened to miss it. It's the kind of thing I would usually go and see before I'd listen to. They are yeah. phenomenal live. I've um, seen them live every time they played in Glasgow, and they are fucking really, really good live. So uh, it was a bit, yeah, a bit of an expenditure, but I got like, I think more or less the full back catalogue as well as getting some copies of some early demos and stuff like mm-hmm. that to try and really figure out where they came from. Um, not geographically. Mm. Geographically, well, interesting Savannah enough, Georgia. Savannah, quite, Georgia, yeah, um, which is a thing that, like that, that whole, the whole kind of Georgia, deep south, kind of got its own kind of sludgy kind of vibe. Sludge you know? metal. Yeah. I'm a big fan of I Hate God. I was a big fan of I Hate God, uh, some time back. This is definitely not I hate God. It's not. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I don't understand how this qualifies as sludge metal in any way. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I guess they, they all, I think they come out of that scene, though, don't they? Well, I hate God or New Orleans sludge metal. That's a very different yeah. sort of. True, true, true. Like real sludge. But then in the sort of early 2000s, there was this sort of burgeoning scene from Georgia that sort of took that sound but added. A bit more sort prog. of a bit more prog, some more intricacy, bit more uh yeah, 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 just a bit more progressive so in, in terms of their Kylisa and Black Ka- Tusk. Black, Black Tusk, Tusk fucking Mastodon band. Torch. Torch, good band. Uh, and and Baroness were one of them as well. And I think for me, my first time hearing anything like that was uh relapse sampler and I heard uh Mastodon Worst rides the behemoth, I think, from uh, Mastodon's first record, and I don't think I'd ever heard anything as brutally as heavy as that. And then I sort of just kept going on investigating. And, and investigating and finding out about this stuff. Uh, and then the first time I heard uh, Baroness was a, I think it was a second. Their, so the, their the albums, EPs. their albums have been coloured, but the EPs before that were just called first and second. Mm-hmm. Uh, and second, I I can't remember how I got it because I think I was still living at home, or maybe I was at university. I don't know. Um, but I, I can't actually. Funnily enough, I can't remember how I got music then. Maybe I maybe I picked it up on it like. Under a bridge somewhere. Under a bridge somewhere. <laughs> but I got that second EP and thought it was really, really good because, I don't know, it just had riffs. 
yeah, they, I just fucking love the riffs very well. I thought the EPs were primitive but good. Like mm-hmm. there was something nice about them. They sounded like a band that could do with like uh, better production, um, maybe like a little bit of like maturity. But there was some pretty cool stuff in there, and you could you could hear a lot of like the influences a bit more nakedly as well. Yeah, yeah. There was some really interesting stuff when I was doing the research about Barnes to try and get a bit of context about them as well. Some really interesting sort of background onto where that sound came from. Uh, the, the main guy in the band, John Baisley, what was his middle name? John Dyer Baisley. Yeah. Dyer Baisley. He's the only original member left. Yeah, he's the only original guy and he was he was speaking to a few different magazines about it. He spoke to Pop Matters and was talking about how so many of those guys were fans of speed metal but that literally in in the South, especially in Georgia, you couldn't play speed metal. He's like, you were going to practice and you, you just couldn't play music at that speed it's like well, that, stiflingly yeah. bakingly moist and hot and claustrophobically warm he said that affected the tuning as well he was like see in terms of keeping the instruments tuned he said they tuned yeah. down and that, that was just like that was kind of part of that's it that's exactly why I Hate God and Down and things like that sound like yeah. they do because everything sort relaxes of Louisiana. It, yeah. it is you know it's not a, it's not an affectation it's like that reflects their yeah. surroundings I can only keep the string I, in tune I've, of it's loose, I've yeah. been in Georgia and I've been in Louisiana in July and you can't fucking do anything <laughs> uh, you know it's 40 degrees but it's also 100 degree, uh, percent humidity yeah that's the, so that's the thing that's that kills it. you it's so close it's that whole kind of like yeah. sitting with a vest on the porch <laughs> like can't move thing there was like um, there was a kind of interesting sort of circumstantial thing as well because Georgia and the Bible Belt's all, all, all pretty infamous even for us over here and because that region that area is so conservative Albeit, um, I think Savannah is actually a bit of a democratic enclave within Georgia. Yeah. But because that Georgia and those states are so notoriously like conservative right and Christian conservative right, there is within the the bands and within the art scene, there's a little bit of a sort of pushback on that, which tends to make them go into slightly more extreme rebellious things, you know, punk rock and metal and things like that, and he said mm-hmm. that was part of it to demarcate that you were not one of these Christian affiliated sort of um, evangelicals, you're yeah. like speaking out against it, you're Yeah, embracing. you don't get many sort of art house indie bands from Georgia. No, not that you hear of anyway, yeah, it's, it seems like people are like, you know, want to do something shocking to upset that establishment, as metal kind of originally was, punk was, mm-hmm. you start wearing like metal t-shirts and singing about Satan and mm-hmm. you know, adopting those occult things to upset that Christian establishment that exists around there, and it's what kind of makes sense in a, a, a lot of ways. Um, it's very interesting when you think about the artwork that the band have. You know, like a lot of metal bands have definitely go down that route, whereas Barnes yeah, they're kind of the opposite. Have not, and John, that's kind of John's style generally. Yeah, so John basically does all the artwork mm-hmm. for Barnes as well as a whole bunch of other many, bands. Many other well. bands, yeah. Yeah, yeah, including the Jane Doe life thing. He did a cover for that too. Yeah, he's done Pig Destroyer. Yeah, mm-hmm. an excellent band. Uh, Daughters Torch that you mentioned. Yep. Flight of the Concords, believe it or not. Yep. And he's yep. done like Metallica as well, I believe. Um actually, we can go to the Nexus just now if you want. Oh, I'd love to hear the Nexus. Whoa, well, can we play the jingle first? Yeah, the jingle's gotta come in. Yeah. Here we go. Jingle. Well done, Chris. You're welcome. You're killing it every week. It's it's starting to eat into my time, but you know it's worth it. 
So speaking of artwork, he did artwork for a Norwegian band called Kevlar Tech. And uh mm. he and Kevlar Tech were their debut album went gold and in their native Norway and they were presented to the award by none other than Mr. Dave Grohl. That's pretty good actually, well done. <laughs> yeah. Good work. Two, two steps. You are applying yourself to I'm this. applying myself. All right, well, we should play the, the, the Loudro, second yeah. part of the jingle mm-hmm. to get out. Yeah. I, uh, I think their artwork though is like exceptional. Exceptional. I, I really and like it. It's it has distinct. it ties their work together yeah. beautifully. This might sound needlessly pretentious, but that um weird take that he's got in the human form and the approach to it really reminds me of an artist called Clint, who's famous for yeah. a, a painting called The Kiss, mm-hmm. especially, but like obviously has a hell of a lot of other stuff. And there's like a really kind of postmodern take on Clint. It's it's Beautiful artwork. It's really worth checking out, actually. I think we've talked about linking images from past episodes on the website, but we will try to remember to link to uh, the gallery on John uh, Baisley's website, which yeah. is pretty awesome. Just and even a th- for throwback, sorry, just throwback to Converse as well. He's he's often mentioned the same breath as Jacob and does exhibitions and stuff with him as well. So, you know, he's definitely up there with some of the best. And apparently his price is very reasonable as well, if you ask for artwork, so... <laughs> Definitely, we're definitely like spoiling for a retweet yeah. for this weekend. <laughs> Maybe we could get them to do some unsung artwork. <laughs> I mean, let's wait until the end of the podcast. But there is, there is something that sort of clashes with this normal sort of music mm-hmm. uh, or the normal artwork for music like this and the stuff that he does, this sort of like very light watercolour, very, you know, yeah. the palette's very beautiful. Compare that to, you know, other sludgy stuff. Mm-hmm. We never even mentioned corrosion or conformity, by the way. I think that's oh, a, yeah, pretty, another a pretty big, big touchstone for this band, yeah. yeah. Albeit there's a bit more psychedelia on these guys. So uh, psychedelia is kind of the is the the road they have definitely went down. Since. Medieval psychedelia, yeah. I think it points. <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, there's a few other interesting circumstances around Baroness. Um, Good pre- story, yeah. They're pretty infamous for a near fatal bus crash that they were involved in near mm-hmm. Bath in England, aren't they? Yeah, after a blue on the blue on the yellow and green tour, yeah, which subsequently caused the drummer and guitarist to the drummer and bass player to leave the band because you know. That's going to fuck your life up. John had to learn how to play guitar all over again because he lost, almost completely lost mobility in his left hand, his left arm. He had a broken arm, broken leg, and another. Yeah, he had sure. to completely. I think he was in hospital for. A, he was definitely in hospital over here for a long time, three or four weeks, I think. Um, and then he went back home, and yeah, he was like I said, had to relearn how to play guitar again. And there's a really, there's actually a really good video. I remember because I'm a big fan of the band. Well, it was like a year, maybe a year and a half after the bus crash had happened. There's a song on Yellow and Green called Stretch Marker, which is like an instrumental kind of semi acoustic song. And there's a video of him and Pete playing it. And I think it, I don't know where it is, but maybe it's Pete's house, uh, maybe it's John's house. And they're both playing it on acoustic guitar. And it's the first time like he'd had to completely relearn to play how he, how he even hold a guitar. And it was really a really nice moment to see him actually, you know, come to terms with that and doing that. 
but well, he's that, spoken in interviews and stuff about about how that really got him down because like not only could he not tour but he couldn't fucking do art either, which is like yeah. his living, you know. The, the guys that left was it Maggioni and Blickle? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, those guys, uh, I think they had like fractured vertebrae, so mm. it was like pretty severe for them. I think yeah. It was like it was a big fright, and I think just to explain why everybody got hurt so badly, it's like the brakes failed in a bus during some really severe weather, and apparently it fell off of a viaduct, yeah, thir- like thirty feet, mm-hmm. and yeah. <laughs> it's like rolled, yeah, yeah, and rolled, mm-hmm. and so like it was, it was, it was quite a proper movie crash, quite a mess. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't just yeah. like you know bumping into the back of a Citroen kind of yeah. thing, yeah, <laughs> it was all over the news and everything, yeah. And yeah, I, was on, I remember seeing it on BBC News and I was like, what the fuck, why are Baroness on BBC News? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, they could have been on it uh, for much sadder yeah, circumstances, exactly. so it was, it's... Yeah, know, they were lucky. Merciful. That they but every, everyone recovered, anyway. and like you said, the, the, the rhythm section left, but with, with every album, they've kind of done, they've had a different rhythm section. I've never seen them live with the same four members. Yeah, seen. which is interesting, and I suppose we go back to that first point of why this record, and like every record, has basically a different band kind of doing it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you can tell that, and so it's just interesting as to why you think Blue's the best one, and maybe it's got to do, yeah, it's got to do with who the band are, maybe as well, rather than just you know where the band were in their stage of career in terms of the sound of each record. I think. I think. Well, I think. I think at this point, it's it's very clear that it's John and Pete who are like the the ones who yeah like it shepherded the band through everything musically. Um, I think most people would probably go with Red if we're going to pick a Baroness album as as being the best. But for me, that's getting clean. That's got a lot of a lot of really good songs. And Isaac, obviously, Grad, Raise Opinion. That kind of stuff, like most of the records, are really, really good. I think the birthing is maybe. But, yeah, I think I think uh, so many good songs on it. It's great. It's it's, 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 it's a phenomenal record, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I think the like the Red album got like album of the year awards and stuff like that. And it is like a bit. Uh, it's still quite proggy and quite mm-hmm. out there. It's got some like real post metal stuff happening yeah. in it as well. It's like it's quite sprawling. Um, I think the the vocals are rougher on it. Yeah, the vocals are a a, a bit nastier. But more Metallica. There was. There was some really interesting, like, just, I mean, obviously, somebody compared them, or maybe they can describe themselves as, <laughs> uh, so King Crimson meets Neurosis. Was, it's probably accurate. was yeah. a phrase that was kicking around. And even though the earlier stuff, including Red, was a little bit rawer, supposedly the description was that they went a little bit more Rush and a little bit less I Hate God with each subsequent release. Definitely more psychedelic. Definitely incorporating a lot more of that. That's why I like this record so much, because it's, it's got the best balance of, of old and new and when I first there's a real mixed reaction though as they changed I mean that's the thing like mm-hmm. people can be quite precious about a band if they love them early on and I have to say I, I think I've found it easier to enjoy their earlier stuff um, it's maybe a good time to put cars on the table here I think it's a terrible album <laughs> right <laughs> um, but I don't think they're a terrible band but I, I, I cannot get with it at all I really quite like Red and I liked the early EPs. I found it more direct. If the early EPs had been recorded well, I think they could be great. Uh, Red is fine. It's got some really good stuff in it, and there's good ideas through everything they do. But uh, this album is it's weird to me. I I, I really I want to like it, but I really can't. Like I I hear moments of it where I'm like, yes, we're going into Mastodon, but and then it just bottles it and goes all medieval England twelve string guitar fucking. Real and place 
Yeah, there's spinal tap. There's definitely some when they come step away from the heaviness. I don't think they quite have the chops. It's comedic. to pull it off. I really think it's almost. Like I think, uh, I think like steel that, that sleeps the eye. Amazing. I think it's really shit and oh cheesy. My goodness. It's <laughs> I like, love that. It's like cringeworthily bad. I think that's like, wonky and horrible. <laughs> I, I just think it sounds really cheesy. It does. The, it's I, like then the fact that they then use that line in the, the track after it as well. Yeah. Halo. Yeah. Halo. Yeah. I love I love I love every song on this record. Jake Leg was the one for me which really pulled me in though. I think Jake Leg's an absolute beast. Yeah, totally uh, beast. I think it's a really, really good song. It's got a Queens of the Stone Age vibe to it. It's like, it's not metal, it's like rock. And I think that's maybe where this album... I'm Jake Legg's pretty cool. Like, there's a bit, yeah. like, one minute, around about the one minute mark is a really great bit. The only thing, the thing about it is, like, the drumming in it's great on, on Jake Leg, but see the way that the drums are recorded in this and the way that they're mixed, it's really fucking cold and really removed from the rest of the mix. It's like, it, it you can tell that it's been multi-tracked, but you can also tell that the way it's been reintegrated, I mean, the reverb or whatever that's been used, it really doesn't sound like it's part of the same world for for me. Like, listening to it, I just couldn't... Well, it's, it's interesting. So, Red uh, had been produced by... I um, can't remember his name, but he was from Kailesa, uh, another really excellent band who I maybe will talk about one day on this because uh, they're fucking shit hot. Uh, and Red, to me... It's quite. It's a bit more organic. There's more space to it. It's got a bit more post rock to it as well. I think. Yeah, they claimed this yeah, but was it's a also an album to it. Like yeah, and then coming to this, um, so this and then Green and Yellow was uh, produced by uh, John Congleton. Yeah, who was also in. Um, paper paper chase. chase. Yeah, paper I've chase. I've interviewed John Congleton. He's a very, very nice man, and I really love a lot of his music. He's also done stuff for like Marlon Manson yeah. and Celine Dion. I mean, he's yeah, he's oh, worked yeah. I, you know, like St. Vincent and Seeger yeah. Ross. But by, by by contrast, the paper chase is like angular, nasty. Really sinister, like tonally as well as like sound wise like, Crazy, it, just like utterly it's insane. brilliant i mean mm. I, there's a paper chase album I'm, I'm really hoping that we can do an, an episode of the show on once but i don't hear well, what's interesting is looking at his, his discography of production credits there's there's no metal there yeah apart from maybe marlon manson but even that that's like yeah. glam metal there's no actual metal yeah it's pop metal yeah. and when you listen to the production on blue it doesn't sound like it's a metal band doing metal riffs but I, the production is not metal fair enough sometimes that it's would appeal flat. to me but hmm. you know i like that i like when people produce something in a non-traditional way but it just doesn't quite work for me i don't get the the spark that the red album had 
because when there was lots of space in the red album it was like there was reverby space and there was like you know just a bit of dirt to it or something even though actually no, it's actually a very clean album it, it's, but, it was, but this is very clinical it was it's raw you can imagine some slightly nastier looking waveforms when you see the screen this is a bit too controlled and it, I feel it comes across quite flat even when it threatens to actually get pretty banging the the banging doesn't really happen because it's just too kind of like within itself <laughs> That's, it kind of misses the target, and, and I think I I think it's a good album, and I think it's a very impressive album. I I think it's very well written, and there's some really really good riffs. But yeah, for I, I, for me, I just never I never because I really liked Baroness. Listen, those first EPs, and then Red album I thought was was brilliant, and so I was ready for this album. You know, when it came out, I was like, yeah, I really want to like this. And it just, I just never fell in love with it. Like I'd fallen in love with Red Elm and like I'd fallen in love with, God, the first three Mastodon records. It's really encouraging to hear as well that you're picking up the same thing as me. It's not just you. Like uh, a lot of people have said that. Yeah. You know, about I mean, I think like a really good illustration of what they've said is that uh, The Sweetest Curse, because to me that starts a wee bit like a lazy Mastodon. Right? It, it, it's sort of in the same vein, but it lacks the energy of it whether that's the take or just whatever, the writing. Um, I really love the wee hi-hat that they use in that. It's nice and different. It tries to get heavy, but it just can't. Like, it tries to step it up, but it's too clean. I mean, like the end of War, Wisdom and Rhyme as well, which is where it's a big, you know, everything's all in and the vocal is huge, but it kind of feels... It's timid. It's just there's something there. And actually, like, it was frustrating because I was listening to it in headphones for a lot of it because I was travelling, and I just felt like my volume was too low the whole way through. I just wanted more insult to my eardrums and there was nothing there it was like they were totally relaxed listening yeah. to metal and it doesn't feel like my my eardrums should be relaxed listening to this you know see the thing i, I think that's a i think it's a fair point i know that the production's definitely spot a lot of people that i that I know who i would who i felt would definitely love this band and i've always been like listening to blue record and like the production just pulls me out of that for me i don't mind it this is a record for me which is a band taking chances and rolling the dice in a really big way and that lends it to me it lends it a lot of charm even if it is a cold record, it does feel very like. I mean, in terms know, of composition, I think it's a very impressive record. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff they're doing here which they didn't do before, and could have fell, could have fallen really flat, and mm. and pays off really well. Like the gnashing, for example, that's a phenomenal song. I feel like the gnashing like seems like it's going to build into something and then just never fucking gets there. I like that. I like that about it because it's again it's a band that's exploring the boundaries of what they can do. It's like climbing a fucking Monroe and at the top you just find a spar. You're like, it's like what the fuck is it? One, th- one thing I was one thing I was going to say though, like you're talking about how like it feels as though it never really gets there with the heaviness. I don't know if that's production because that's kind of how they are live as well. Nah, now. The, 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 sound wise, like uh, guitar sound wise. Well, I'll, that's what I well, want to be jealous. Oh, sorry, I want to be generous here, but I don't think you can put this album's feelings purely down to production. In, in my opinion, I just don't. No, I, think, I I kind of agree, and that's why. I mean, the there's an ironic 
element throughout this. They're obviously a bit more theatrical and I'm saying medieval, but there's a bit more of the harmonised fucking tongue-in-cheek thing. Yeah, it's clear they love stuff like Rush and they love like big, huge, like never, pop rock stuff, it, you know? Like, so you take a band like the fucking Champs, for example. give big nods to that but there's a level of like knowing irony and I know irony can be boring especially in metal it's not it's not particularly popular but if you're going to be ironic if you're going to be kind of cutting edge you have to really go for it by contrast if you're going to be totally earnest and sincere and commit to doing really cheesy fucking metal like fucking Manowar or something like that you have to commit to doing that and I feel like Baroness are on the fence because they're kind of cool you get people that go to see Trans Am and the fucking champs and the drummer from Trans Am joined them so mm. um and Trans Am obviously did the fucking AM with the fucking champs. So there's a bit of a connection in terms of that ironic metal harmonised nod, cheesy solo, don't we just love this guilty pleasure thing. But it's on the fence. It's like it's on the fence between are we doing this because it's funny or are we doing this because we are righteous metal warriors. <laughs> and I just kind of feel like they don't really pick a side there. It's, it's sort of non-committal. And it really alienated me. It kind of pulled me out of it. And then so when they do... Like stupid segues, like fucking what's it called? What could you black, black powder orchard? Is that the? Yeah. Is that the one? Before that the gnashing, yeah. Yeah, now that Okaji hymnal thing is. Like yeah, I I just I just can't get with it at all. I just it doesn't work. I, I would say, a horse called Golgotha, is the best track on it in my opinion. I think that's really good, and it's got like a weird indie vibe at the start as well. Mm. It's not. A typically metal intro. That's what I'm saying. This record takes chances as a band, which should yeah. obviously once. <laughs> no, like no, it does. Wise, it like, does take like rec- all the all the all the songwriting choices on it. The production choice is definitely very unorthodox. All of it is just like oh, fuck it. Did take a chance that it was at Or Hell and Hyde, where they have that obligatory metal album. We need a spoken word sample over the <laughs> metal in the background. Oh, yeah, well, it's every it goes on a bit too long. Every metal film. album ever yeah. has the spoken mm. word sample film dialogue over the, the the riff thing. It's like fuck, man. That is like the it's such a trope. <laughs> The harmonised guitars, which they do quite a lot of, are almost Maiden-esque, but not quite there, which is what I like about it. I think there's maybe there's a bit of irony involved, but also I think maybe a lot of it is sincerity as well. Look at his artwork, for example. Like It's clearly that he's not a huge metal guy. He loves things. He's got a song like, called War, Wisdom and Rhyme. I mean, <laughs> fuck, man. I just like, like want to fold myself <laughs> inside out when I fucking see that track. It doesn't matter what that song sounds like. As it happens, it's crap, but it, it doesn't matter how it sounds because... It's such a fucking terrible name unless you're going to go balls to the wall, full fucking metal. And and they don't. (laughs) 
and I just think as a result you're just kind of left feeling like oh man this is like a joke with no punchline this is also a very like uh, sort of transitional album as well because they do move a lot further away from metal on yellow and green and then even more well they actually come back to a little bit in purple but it sounds weird I saw the Guardian mm. refer to purple as uh, an unmistakable lunge for mainstream glory. <laughs> I think, I think that's based based on my fucking previous comments about Best Coast last week. I don't I'd think say that's, that's absolutely accurate. Like, the, for example, the chorus has shocked me. The harmony alone is enough to say that that's supposed to be a stadium rock song. Fucking easily. And yeah, they're kiss yeah, already. Have a better go for it. <laughs> but I mean, what is mainstream metal? You might as well fucking go for it if you've. If you've done I think it's clear that's what they like sweaty. and that's what they're going towards yeah exactly I don't you've you don't got, have to I be don't hold any grudges to do metal well like Mastodon are not mainstream Mastodon took the mountain to Muhammad they were I mean they are mainstream now in the sense that they're successful but their, you, their music get, is yeah. not accessible in terms of it was a mm, sheer no they did do they did that one record where they had three minute songs and yeah, choruses I mean, like, and but that, stuff like Leviathan and stuff is like, like it's it's yeah no but they, they weren't playing breaking for them and, and yeah no but they weren't playing they weren't playing huge places until, you know, their fifth or sixth record. Yeah. I just mean in terms of it, it's, it's relatively uncompromising. And I, I think this uh, certainly the stuff I, I, I listened to purple and I listened to a bit to yellow and green as well and I think that's more compromised than than a lot of the Mastodon stuff or at least Mastodon persevered with their own sound longer and I, I, I gave up on Mastodon a while back though I think I'm, I'm, in a similar I'm, way I'm, as not, I'm not a big advocate for Mastodon I think Mastodon have got some great stuff and some dross but I do think it's at least a little bit more focused and committed to what it wants to do I think Baroness are as well I think you need to take it on wide scale though like you can they're a band that have clearly been moving towards like being like a kind of a prog pop metal band like that's clearly what they've been moving towards Yeah, you and have I... to look at it through the prism of where it is now as opposed to where it used to be Hi, sorry for just barging in here. We kind of we've we've taken to doing these podcasts and the same machine that they used to do a teletext on. <laughs> so it's becoming increasingly difficult to actually create a quality product for you, lovely, lovely people. What you can't actually tell is this is a black and white audio. It is, yeah. Uh, so if you can donate, <laughs> then we can start well. putting out color audio and widescreen and widescreen. Yeah, yep. full format. I'll have like you know birds whistling in the background. You'll be able to hear. Charlie's going wait we've, we've already got that <laughs> rival pods with inferior content are broadcasting in UHD and 4k so I feel we should try and get at least somewhere close to that exactly so if you can help us to attain this goal by going to www.unsungpod.net forward slash donate and we can get rid of the teletext machine and maybe buy a CFAX machine or something like that unsungpod.net forward slash donate
talking about this, it's like for me, Red Album is my favorite because like that's what I like from a band. I like that not quite as perfect. It's less clinical. But looking at the band as a whole, I think maybe Blue is the one that defines them best because yeah, that's exactly. actually more what they are as a band. Mm-hmm. That's clearly where, where they've been I, going. And which I'm, and I'm, yeah. yeah. But see, but okay, so my, my overriding impression is, and just try to like read between the lines a wee bit, and it's maybe not right, but I do think there's something to it. Speaking from a little bit of experience as well, when a band is doing okay and somebody sees potential in them, especially a, a label, and the label approaches them and says, look, we think you guys have got something special here. We, we're going to like, we think you could be the next such and such, or we think you could do this. We think you could start to make real waves. We want, we're going to get you with this producer. We're going to put you with this producer. We think you should, and I think they sound like a band that has gone home after one of those meetings and been like, oh my God, did you hear that? But they the think, meetings with Relapse but, we put out, you know, oh, wait, like, Dillinger. <laughs> but it seems like, oh, they think we could be some, right, we should, you know, they're going to get us to work with a producer and, you know, they did and they worked with Congleton and you're like, oh, has it worked? I don't know if it's worked. And then they seem like a band that with each subsequent album, there's been someone in their ear saying, why don't you, why don't you try? And they're like, maybe, maybe we should try that. Maybe, and then now they're a band that seems to be perpetually chasing something and i don't know if the evolution is because they want to evolve as opposed to they just are like what are we going to do next and it's really just basely now anyway isn't mm. it so well it's not just him but he's the he's the sole surviving member and it it seems like a swing and a miss well they released purple on their own label they had no label for it and they just released it you know so i think yeah exactly yeah. i don't think that no but he's contradicts what i'm saying point no but you can look at it in a he's trying very hard to you know achieve this success that he thinks that they can do or he just is enjoying getting a bit older and playing slightly more straightforward or catchier stuff. Yeah, I mean, and I think compositionally, he, and he better. he's just doing what he he wants to do, and it just so happens that it's a little less antagonistic. Absolutely. And it's not like they've not done well; they've done reasonably well. Yeah, like, um, last time I played, I the garage. So you know. I don't see them going to any level above that. Though, yeah, I I, neither do I. But you could have said that after Yellow and Green when they sold out the cat house. Maybe. But for me, I think they've gotten better compositionally since this record as well. If, if you start, if you stop thinking of them as a as a metal band that did, did metal band that did red, then there's a lot of stuff to love. I think Yellow and Green is a bit too sprawling. It's probably one good, one fucking great pop metal record, but it's kind of it's mostly kind of top heavy in Yellow and kind of bottom heavy in Green. Uh, the big songs, the big singles like um, "March to the Sea," it's amazing. And then Purple is end-to-end, I think, really, really good, but it's definitely not the Baroness it used to be. But the, the version of Baroness that's on Purple is the best version of Baroness musically that there's ever been. Certainly I've seen live, and they're all phenomenal players. Most synths came in, started coming in, in, in Yellow and Green as well, which they lean even more heavily on. Well, Sebastian on Thompson, the, the drummer that mm-hmm. they brought in from Transam, is He's unbelievably good. Dynamite. Yeah, he's so, so good. And he yeah. brings so much to their sound as well. I mean, you see them play the older stuff live, it's just like he was like the missing link. If he'd have played in all the other records, they probably would have been, like, sound, sounded much better, I think. But <laughs> I could really hope for the original drummer's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> then Tim, the the drummer that left after the Red Album. Mm-hmm. We, don't even, ha- for we me, don't even have his second name. It's Loose. Tim Loose. Tim Loose. Yeah. Well, we should probably have left that out. Uh, <laughs> I, like maybe for me he was loose drummer. That's <laughs> the last thing you want in a band is a loose drummer. It's true, it's true. He's the loose guitarist, so 
Is he? Yeah, Tim Lewis was the guitarist. Oh, the yes. left after the red record. That's not as that's not as big a problem. Uh, yeah, I know it's So it's can we right. put can we put Baroness's changing sound into Pete Adams then? Well, who knows? I don't know. I I, I think because nobody knows what the next Barnett album's going to sound like now that he's gone. We could put it into fucking global warming. It doesn't matter. There's still no, shit. but it, it does make it does make sense. So if, if you're going to look at it that way, you know. Maybe, maybe. I, I don't know, man. I just, I just, I just don't think they're fucking Premier Division. Like, I, I think they're good, but uh, that's it. I think they're damn good. I think they're a great band. Uh, although I haven't, I think they were a great band. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and to me, this was them coming down rather than going up. Uh-oh. That's what my my point. That yeah, means that there's a very long tail on their descent. Ah, <laughs> eh, you know, like most bands. First album high and then fucking four album low. That's what happens with most bands, I think. I, think, I genuinely think all their stuff's really good. The obvious pick would be Red Album, because that's what people love. This is a band taking chance, like I said, rolling a dice, doing something this interesting. Got, this got a decimal point better... Uh, review in Pitchfork in the Red album this got 8.5 rather than 8.4 egg on their face so you know uh, there you are I don't think they've done anything as strong as a synth but there's a lot of really good stuff on yellow and green and purple um, I just love this band they're just one of my favourite bands I'd be very happy for them for there to be a Baroness record in here uh, for me I would have gone for Red um, but if it's Blue I'm, or, I'm quite happy to me this is like a uh, Searching for a former clarity, but against me, it's not. It's maybe not the most well put together record, but it's got a lot of heart, and it is trying to do something different, and it's taking a band in a new direction, and and seeing what things what they can do. You know, I mean, if, if being a musician is about challenging yourself, then I think they certainly did something on this record, and maybe yeah, some of it falls a bit short, but I love those moments. I love the imperfection of it. You know, I think that's I think that's part of the appeal for me. I don't want everything to be slick and polished. I don't want everything to sound like fucking Best Coast anyway, where it's just, you know, <laughs> a big reverb pedal and just yeah. some it's, it's funny. It's funny that you talk about those imperfections because for me... There's more than Red. Yeah, there's the imperfections in production on Red are more important and more endearing to me than the imperfections on composition on mm. Blue because I like the overall sound of yeah. Red more than I like the overall composition of this I would agree with totally that. that if you'd picked red I would have said yes but for this one I'm going to say no that's fair that's totally fair so you're one. blue you're red I'll go purple <laughs> purple is it great it doesn't work because they've actually got a purple <laughs> record <laughs> uh, so so do you not you're not a fan so of go purple brown. Brown. go brown dude. I, I listened to the purple record and I never went back to it I was like oh it's fine I don't know I, re- I really did listen to their entire back catalogue for us. The same with Best Coast last weekend. Yeah. I've I've had a busy week of studying music and mm. I did not warm to their latter day stuff. Mm. Um, Red, I'll probably keep. The rest I'll probably ditch. Well, thankfully next week it's an entirely different yeah. uh, proposition because uh, the discography just gets better and better in terms of that <laughs> artist. This is a, the past three weeks, or this last week, this week and next week are certainly a contentious, <laughs> contentious to say the least. Well, we had to mix it up a bit yeah. there was far too much consensus. There was. People were, people were voting for Well, everything. in these fractured times politically, we should, uh, we should reflect that with uh, fractured opinions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, in the spirit of fictitious <laughs> hostile entrenched debate, um, we're going to cover animal rights by the recording artist known as Moby next week. It's going to be 
It's going to be a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. And it's probably going to be as short as this one as well. So yeah. I enjoyed <laughs> if not as short. Uh, I've got my fucking I've got way with it. Ten pages of notes. So you're only going to need five and a half, mate. <laughs> I enjoyed talking about Baroness though. It gave me a good excuse to go back and listen to the riffs. They have riffs for days, man. Yeah. You can't deny that. Just really Do you know what? We didn't days. talk about we we mentioned them a few times, but we didn't actually talk about Mastodon too much. Yeah, which I thought would be done, you guys would have done more of. I'm I'm yeah. nonplussed on Mastodon, to be honest. Leviathan's I a think fucking so little of us. <laughs> Leviathan's such a good album that it was just Leviathan is I've an absolute masterpiece. Remission is heavier, and uh, Blood Mountain is proggier. And to would, me, they're maybe in terms of a band doing three records in a row. I can't think of many bands that have done three better records I in would a row. Personally, rather much rather talk about Southern Discomfort by I Hate God. <laughs> Maybe we will one day. Maybe. That is a good record. Uh, there's also a couple of Ky- Kylesa albums that I would mm. put forward. Saw Kylesa and Sleazy's. I was going to say, fucking played sweaty. some legendary shows in Glasgow, yeah. But, um, yeah. There you go. Got through Barnes. Georgia's very nice, though. You should go visit Georgia. It's fucking hot, though. It's sweaty. Yeah. Take some Bio Basher. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much guys uh, Go to the Facebook page and vote Oh can we get some reviews please Just yep. take a minute, five star review Just write gibberish, just hammer your keyboard We don't yeah. give a shit Well I don't know if Apple will that pass But you can certainly give it a try mm. Damn Apple <laughs> <laughs> Thanks though Gentlemen thank you Cheerio Bye